Welcome back. Richard, this week we're going to talk about one of our favorite topics. Um, not, not our favorite topics because it's a pleasant topic, but right. our, our favorite topics because it is something that so many people struggle with. And, and right. that is the, the idea of failure. Right. Yeah. Failure, as you're right, people struggle with it. Um, if you have children, you want, you want your children to avoid failure. Uh, if you're an adult, you want to avoid failure. I mean, at all costs, you know, whatever I, whatever I do, I can't fail because failure in our culture, failure is a huge embarrassment. Um, I was talking to a newly minted um, master's level licensed mental health counselor the other day, who is um, now that all the coursework has been completed, must take the exam. And there's this fear of, of the exam. And, and I don't think it's the exam. I think it's a fear of failure. So I advised them. I said, go take the exam and don't tell anybody that you're taking it. So if you fail, nobody knows you're not embarrassed, but it isn't, it isn't it, but it's too bad that failure is, is uh, or not succeeding um, is considered um, such a, such a horrible thing to experience you know, yeah. at all costs. And I think that maybe it's because of, you know, I know that you have a similar history, the history in, in science and in research where um, failure is what happens most of the time because, <laughs> you know, when you're doing, when you're doing research, especially um, uh, a basic science research, laboratory based research, you know, most of the things that you try fail. That's right. And, and it, you know, those of us who, who write for um, publication, right. you get as many rejections, maybe more rejections than you get acceptances. Right. Um, I spoke to a guy who's written a dozen books and hundreds of articles. And he said, it doesn't make any more sense when they're accepted than when they're rejected. Right. He said, I don't know why some get accepted. And so sometimes I think I'm doing, I've done a really masterful piece and it gets rejected. And other times I just send it in and it gets accepted. So right. yeah, yeah, you're right. We, we experience disappointment and failure in this business far more than success. Absolutely. So we're, we're, we found an article uh, from Psychology Today uh, that talks about the benefits of failure. Um, and, and it's written by uh, Nigel Barber. Um, he's an evolutionary psychologist. So I love evolutionary psychology. I have a weak spot for evolutionary psychologists. It is so interesting. Um, but but yeah, he has an interesting perspective when it comes mm -hmm. to, to failure. And, and it's very consistent with the way that we see it. Right. right. Yeah, he, he talks about um, in our culture. He said, and, and, he, and, he, and he mentions that along the way, that in our culture, we value winning. We value success, okay? Um, and our, particularly the American culture, we tend to think that all cultures are similar to ours and that all economies are similar to, similar to ours, and they're not. Um, so, but our culture has evolved in such a way that we create winners and losers. I think when, when the first immigrants arrived from Europe, they weren't the first immigrants, but the first immigrants from Europe had to be cooperative in order to survive. But right. somehow our culture has evolved so that now it creates winners and losers. And our culture values the rugged individual. The, I, I did it myself, you know, kind of concept. Right. And where this comes in is things like, and, and we could go across the sports world, but I think that it's the easiest place to see this. We're in the last month of the college football season. 
we're, we're narrowing down. Now there's 130 schools in what is called division one. It's the major university programs. And these are the football teams that will play in the December and January uh, bowl games, okay? And, and it's called the football bowl subdivision, the uh, FBS. And this year, or later this year, um, in sometime in December, the four teams, the four top teams out of 130 right. will play each other. So right. team one will play four, team two will play three, and then those two winners will play for the championship and there'll be only one. So you start with 130 teams and each team probably has, I don't know, 40 or 50 players on it. So when you think of 130 teams and all those players, it's going to come down to two teams and only one will win. Well, and, and what's, what's even more interesting than that is that then they'll take that one team that won mm -hmm. and then they will identify the MVP. The one person who was integral to winning the whole thing. And, it, and yeah, you have to, it's like we take all of these people and whittle it down to just this one person. One person, one team and one person. This one person is the one that made all the difference. And that's what we admire. You know, that's who gets to go to Disney World. That's who gets to go, you know. And, you know, we just finished the baseball season. Right. And the World Series. It was only one winner. Okay. It's just the way it works. Right. And, but you can also see this in our economic system because our economic system creates very big winners. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and Elon Musk. And those are just the ones we hear about. There's a bunch of others out there who are doing the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Now, not, but not all, not all countries, not all cultures, not all economies work this way, but ours does. Okay. The fact of the matter is ours does. And, and it values the winner. That's what we love. We love the winner. And, and, and that starts very young. You know, Absolutely. we start that maybe even before elementary school where, mm -hmm. where we want kids. I mean, we have, we have soccer um, that starts for three-year-olds, you know, three mm -hmm. and four-year-olds. Right. Um, and, and again, um, although it's not supposed to be about winning, Boy, everybody cheers when um, <laughs> kids score a goal, or you know, and not that we shouldn't, but again, we're we're uh, creating this this um, tone of it is it, it's better to be the person who wins. It is better to be the person that comes out on top uh, for all of these reasons. We celebrate. Bernie, have you ever played Candyland? Yeah. What age was your opponent? Well, three. Yeah. The very okay. And it matters then. Yeah, you know, they, we let them win or well, to the point that some kids will even cheat. That's right. Even, even that young at three and four years old, they'll cheat and they'll throw temper tantrums. And so this this idea of winning appears very, very early and it's fostered right. very, very early winning. For some reason, winning is important. Even in young, it's almost in our DNA. Right. You, know, you have to you see a three year old having a temper tantrum or is, uh, even more to the point. A three-year-old will cheat to right. win, right? No, absolutely. Make up their own rules, change the rules. That's right. Oh boy, that's always fun. Um, and, and now, don't don't get us wrong. Of course, you know we should always give our best, and mm. we want to encourage kids to always give their best. And, and we don't believe in participation trophies. I, I really don't. I'm and for anybody who's listening, I am absolutely opposed to participation trophies. Right. Right. Um, but, but there's a difference between those things that are inherently 
um, competitive, like sport. Right. You know, mm-hmm. there is only one team that wins in sports. That's right. Um, but there are other things where where we kind of create this winners and losers mm-hmm. mentality that aren't competitive in nature necessarily. Exactly. Um, but we but we kind of create that situation so that there is no other option but to be the best. That's right. That's right. Because um, I like the idea of having just one champion. I right. think it makes the whole thing more interesting, more exciting. I mean, as much as everybody hates their team to lose, the concept of having one winner really makes for an exciting. I mean, you're, you follow football. Uh, uh, soccer and you have a couple of uh, championships during the year right correct right you've explained it to me and i can never get it straight but um you you watch that competition all year long okay across several championships you know but that's what makes it interesting that only one team is there a tie? can you have a tie in soccer um in individual matches but not at the end you know not at the end so you can have a tie going in but in the end somebody somebody will be the single winner, okay? So we, we think that everybody, we think that you should do your best, okay? There's no question about that. We don't like participation trophies. We think that everybody should do his or her best all the time. Um, but I know that there are some people who will rise higher than others, and some are going to achieve more wealth and power than others. It's just baked into our system. So I know that some are gonna rise higher. Now, there's, there is a downside to this. Mm-hmm. Um, in today's economy, and, and we hear about this all the time, and, and so just in fairness, uh, there's a downside to this um, accumulating as much wealth and power as you can because the, we've heard about the 1%, the famous 1%. They own more wealth than 90% of the people in the country, and that, there's an imbalance there that we should, we should do. And the system is structured. Our, our system is structured so that the rich get richer because the way we make wealth in this country, you have to have money to make money. And so the, the, the system is rigged in a way to help the very wealthy, okay? Right. But, and we know that. Right, and again, that's, it, it's, a, it's one of those situations where we're competing, we're creating a competitive environment when it doesn't necessarily have to be competitive. It, it, it doesn't have to be that competitive, you know, right. this, the, that kind of capitalism. But at the same, and people complain about that, and 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 I agree. But but that's a that's a political decision. It's also a system that fosters and encourages creativity and innovation and enterprise. Okay, and these kinds of qualities are not always evident in all cultures. I talked to a fellow a couple of years ago. He's from a European country, and um, he happens to be involved in music, okay, and, and he said, and I was asking him about um, the, the difference in, in, in the country where he lives is that once you become a conductor or a teacher, it is a position that you have for the rest of your life. Right. Okay? So it's sort of government supported. And he said, while the, while the um, security of, of having, of knowing that you are going to get paid and you're going to have this job. While the security is nice, he said it dulls creativity. He said that the, the most creative things happening are happening in the US because musicians in the US have to keep producing, creating, pushing, moving the boundaries. Right. Because if they don't, 
they're going to get left behind. Right. And he said, while the security feels good, the creativity is missing. Right. And that, that's just in music. But I think you'd see that everywhere. If right. every if every professional team got the same thing, they would, why, why would they play hard? Why would they practice? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, it, it, so, so yes, while there's a downside, there's also um, the advantage of, of what this competition will do. Right. And, and you know, if, but even when we take that into consideration um, and we think about music or we think about, um, you know, sports team or, or whatever, um, right. there, there are still they still fail at times. Right. Um, so that part of that creativity part of that exploration of, of new ideas and, and new approaches to things comes that risk of failing. Um, right. and, and we have certainly seen that with really famous um, musicians and artists who, who create something and, and it's like a flop, you know, right. it just right. doesn't take off the way that you would have expected it to based right. on who, who it was that produced it or created it. And so that, you know, a, 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 you know, along the lines of what we want to talk about today is that, you know, while, while success is really important, um, mm-hmm. the benefit that um, that pushing yourself, you know, outside of those com- your comfort zone and pushing your limits a little bit, risking failure and, and, right. and experiencing and, and accepting failure can can provide a great lesson and, and many right. more opportunities mm-hmm. uh, for us. Right. Yeah. And so, again, I go back to sports. We create. We, we talk in sport. Well, heck, you coached for years, right. and and you talk to your players about they have to be gracious winners, but they also they also have to be good losers. Right. You don't get to get angry, you don't get to cheat, you don't get to be physically aggressive, and you have to be a good sport. During the competition, you play as hard as you can, but in the end, you shake hands. Right. All right. And so, win or lose, you you have to learn how to do both. And we do that in sports all the time. Uh, win or lose, you have to do your best. We we talked. I talked earlier about the 130 teams in um, in college football. Mm-hmm. Did 129 fail? Right. Only one can succeed. Okay. So so we have to be careful about how we conceptualize failure. My goodness, did those did all only one player was named the M- most valuable player, the MVP? Does that mean thousands of kids, thousands of college athletes fail? Well, and, you know, the, the other the other side of that is, um, you know, when you when you're talking about an American football team, um, right. there's, there's how many players on a team? Uh, almost 50, 40, some. 40 something. Mm-hmm. Um, there are players on that team that will get a championship ring or, or whatever and have never been on the field. <laughs> That's right. That's true. Uh, the same thing with the World Series and the uh, Super Bowl. Right. So it's not um, it's not necessarily, um, you know, we look at it at an individual basis, like mm-hmm. there's just this one winner and you know, right. part of this. But, um, you know, what does it what is it teaching? And, you know. When we bring it down to, you know, who we're really um, who we think about often, uh, right. who I think about often, and, and that comes down to like kids and sure. um, mm-hmm. and especially kids in school. Right. Um, we kind of get into this perspective where we define who the winner is by things like grades, 
Yeah. Um, and so we look at how well are students doing in school. And, you know, I, I get in trouble sometimes when I'm working in the schools and, and, and I say that, you know, I can't I can't stand it when students are making all A's all the time. Right. right. Um, because when we when we're thinking about that, you know, what are we talking about when we say that a student is getting all A's all the time? Um. It's like, okay, well, they're the winners. Those are the best kids. Those, those are the kids, that's the kids that's, a, you know, the top of their class. Um, right. You know, those are the kids that we're expecting to get really high scores on the SAT. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we create these, these competitions where competitions don't necessarily exist. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Um, when, when I was in school, um, and, and I hate to begin any paragraph with when I was in school, but for many years, a B or a C was really considered successful. I mean, a C was a C was what you would get if you did the assignment, okay? And if you succeeded, um, very few A's. There were almost, you know, it's, it's a normal curve. And you might have two kids in the class who fail, but you'd only have one or two who get A's, right? The rest of us, everybody else got B's and C's. And that was, that was how the system was structured. Right. Oh, in the last 40 or 50 years, now everybody wants to get all A's, okay? It's a very different ethic. And you're right, you define success as getting all A's, but what, how did you get those A's? How was the system rigged, number one, and how did you get those A's? Are you really succeeding? What, what are you succeeding at when you get all A's? Right. We, well, we, yeah, and we look at things like um, perfect attendance. You get an award for perfect, you know, if COVID has taught us anything, it's if you're sick, don't come to school. Um, right. You know, so, so we're going to, we, we award kids for perfect attendance, which is, it's great. Don't get me wrong. It's great to be at school every day because right. you have access to everything every day. However, you know, none of us can control if we get sick. You know? I think that, I think of those perfect attendance kids. I talked to a woman one time. I think her mother was a teacher. She said she didn't miss a day of school in 12 years. Yeah. Now, I understand that most kids are generally pretty. How do you stay? That means she went to school when she was sick. That's, that's wonderful biology. because I, mean, you go, I want those genes, right? right. I, I want to drink out of her Coke can. <laughs> right. Know? I mean, how do you, how, that means that she had to go to school either when she, she had to. I mean, you couldn't get through all of childhood. Right. So is that really, is it really a success? It, we think of it as success. We reward it. We give a prize at the end and say, you had perfect attendance, but, but look a little deeper. And is it really success? Right. And whether it's SAT scores, all A's, perfect attendance, whatever metric we use in schools to sort kids out, mm-hmm. um, is it really success? Because in pursuing that, we forget that there's this other piece that we should be, that all of us should be attending to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And, and it, you know, there are, naturally, there are going to be some students, some people who do better and some students who don't do as well. That's right. um, it's just the way that the system works. It's just the way that life works because we have that, as you mentioned a moment ago, that natural normal distribution of, of performance and skill level and all of that. That's so, right. But there's some flaws when it comes to this assumption that it's always good to succeed um, and it's always bad to fail. 
That's right. That's that's the first assumption that you have to succeed and you have to do everything you can to avoid failure. Right. That sounds okay. There are many, many families, many individuals live that way. Many adults right. uh, uh, live their own lives with, I must always succeed. I can never fail. My, my goal in life is to avoid failure and always succeed. Okay. But there are, there are two flaws with that. Right. And one of them you've already mentioned. For those students who get all A's, it means either the work is too easy right. and they, they know how to get an A, which means they should be doing harder work, they should be challenged more, okay? <laughs> or they're doing something, maybe they're a perfectionist, okay? Um, maybe they're getting help from parents, I don't know, we don't know. But if you're getting all A's, it means that the work is too easy or you're approaching it in a way that may not be um, healthy. Right. Okay. Right. And I don't, I don't say you're doing something wrong or untoward or you're being dishonest. It's right. just that if you're getting all A's all the time, then it's okay. But maybe, right. maybe, you, maybe you need to push a little harder or you need to be given something else because if you get all A's, if you never fail, if you never struggle, you're going to miss the opportunity to develop some qualities that you should have. Absolutely. And, you know, there, there are some kids who just learn naturally, mm -hmm. easily. It, it, Absolutely. it really takes a very little effort for them to learn something new. But Bernie, in a school of 500 kids, how many are we talking about who do that? Five? Yeah, just a tiny, tiny fraction. Right. Okay. Of kids who are capable of getting, no matter where you put them, they're going to get all A's. Okay. Right. We don't deny that that exists, but when you have a school where of 500 kids and, and 200 get A's, right. there aren't 200 kids in that category. There, there shouldn't be. And, and, and again, if a student is getting all A's for whatever reason, and mm -hmm. as you said, you know, perhaps we should be looking into pushing uh, pushing them ahead a little bit harder, giving them a little bit more challenging, stretch them a little bit so that they have to, you know, uh, because Richard, how many times do we see kids that are making all A's and it's like effortless. It, it appears to be effortless to them. They're like, right. you know, mm -hmm. I don't really have any homework, you know, I don't really, <laughs> right. I'm, I don't really have to study or anything. Right. Fine. Mm -hmm. You hear that kind of thing all the time. Right. And if that's truly the case, right. Fantastic. But let's push them a little bit more because they need to they need to be stretched um, because what happens because we, we've taught we've been in the um, primary and secondary schools. We've also worked in the colleges. And what happens when those students go to college mm -hmm. haven't ever been pushed the way that they will be pushed in college right. and mm -hmm. then they start falling apart. Right. I have had adults, college graduate students in my office crying mm -hmm. because they didn't get an A on the assignment. Right. Because their goal was to get all A's. That was the goal. I have to get all A's, okay? Right. And in tears yeah. because they didn't get an A. Okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what? that's how much we value this thing, that even as adults, um, we're still pushing it, all right? So, and we talk about perfectionists, you know, for those students who have to get an A, you know, I'm going to get all A's. Um, we know that many people that we would classify as perfectionists have diminished resilience. They're not flexible. If they're Absolutely. not perfect, they're failures. Right. Like there's this there's this either or mentality in people who are perfectionists. Well, at some point in your life, 
you're not going to be perfect, right. nor should you be. I mean, nobody values perfectionism, okay? Um, but at some point, and I don't want you to experience that when you're 25 or right. 15. Not for the first time, right. No, no. Get it out of your system when you're young. You know, perfectionism is, is uh, you know, you got to be very careful with perfectionism because if it doesn't happen, mm -hmm. um, things could come apart in a hurry. So the first flaw is we... I think that you've never really been tested. The second flaw is that experiencing success doesn't prepare you for anything. Right. I mean, if you've always succeeded, you're not really prepared to do anything. Right. Um, ironically, failure is really the best qualification. How you handle failure and disappointment is the best qualification for life after school. Right. Okay. So, the, so, so flaw two is you, you have to experience failure in order to learn how to manage it right. because failure is going to happen. Right. right? And, and so by, by robbing children of the opportunity to fail, you're robbing by, by making it so that your children never fail. You're denying them the opportunity to learn, to, to develop the skills they're going to need to manage real life. Yeah. I mean, certainly just think about the lesson you're teaching. The first time you're basically teaching your child that the first time you try anything, you will be successful at it. <laughs> right. What, what, when else will that happen in your life? I mean, that, that doesn't happen to, you know, adults in, in, in most circumstances. No, um, no. So, so we can't, we can't continue to, to press that with our kids to, to let them have that false belief. It's a false belief, right? Anything mm -hmm. you try, you're going to be successful at. That's right. In, in, you know, if you've been in school, you succeed in first grade and second grade and third grade and fourth grade. And you begin to get this notion that, well, I'm going to succeed at everything each year. That's not how life is going to be yeah. for, you, for anybody. Okay? And so what are the advantages? We talk about what are there advantages to failure? And we came up with three. Right. One of them is persistence. Yeah. People who fail learn how learn how to stick with it and work through it right. and the the two people that um that this author barber uh, mentioned are harry truman and um and edison thomas alva edison um and he talks about the many failures that you know edison famously had tried a thousand different filaments until he found one that worked you know it's always on tv um they they persist until they succeed right. they don't throw their hands up and give up and they say okay i gotta get like you said we fail more than in our business we fail more than we succeed right you know a, a baseball player if right. he gets a hit every third at bat if he only fails two out of three times he's a superstar right right and so what no, but nobody expects him to get a hit every time he bats up. Okay. So it's just not, re so you persist. The, the, when, you, when, you, when you begin to fail, when you begin to falter, when you fall short of expectations, you learn persistence. And that's important. Yeah. Now, another advantage is that failure teaches us how to adapt and change to our ever-changing world. Right. Um, you know, again, something that we've learned over the past couple of years with, with COVID and everything is that we have to adjust and we have to be able to adapt. And, and but when we come from th to things with such a rigid 
mm-hmm. perspective because you know what the first thing I always try is always this most successful thing. Right. Um, then we don't really have any problem solving skills that extend outside of that. That's right. And and the other thing is if you're always successful, you always do the same thing. Right. Okay. This is how I'm going to work. You know, kids who say, well, if I cram the night before, I always get an A. Right. And so, so what do they do? They cram the night before. Is that good for you? No, that's not good learning strategies, but that's what they do. So they do the same thing over and over again. If you have failed, you learn how to do new things. You try new things. So you adapt and change with the circumstances. Right. And, and the third advantage is that failure builds resilience. Right. You know, right. Um, it, whenever we, whenever we, um, are confronted with, with failure. Anytime we experience failure, mm-hmm. we have to become resilient to that and, and try something different as we were right. just talking about with adapting and changing. Um, mm-hmm. We have to, we have to build the ability to cope with and manage um, failure so that we can keep going. So the, right. That's right. Yep. Because, you know, there was these, there are these experiments done with rats where they'll, you know, if they hit a bar, they get a food pellet. They hit a bar and get food, hit a bar and get food. Then you stop sending the food and the rats starts to go crazy. So jumping up and down, biting the thing, smacking it, biting it, running around the cage, jumping up and down. Well, that's a rat's way of trying new things. They try what they can try. As humans, we have a large repertoire of yeah. alternative behaviors that we can use. I mean, that's what separates us. We can, but we have to learn that. We have to have the opportunity to become resilient, to become, to develop adaptive behaviors, to develop persistence. Okay. And, and, and you do that by experiencing failure. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in our culture, we, we value success. Right. I think, well, all cultures value success. We define success in different mm-hmm. ways, but we, we value success. And, and though, though we, work so hard to avoid failure, you know, again, the idea is that the path to success is riddled with failures. Mm -hmm. Um, And we we have to keep pressing if we, you know, however, we're going to define success, we have to keep pressing through and learn that ability to cope with failures and to learn from those failures, and and to understand what works, what doesn't work, um, so that we can you know, we can continue to press towards whatever our ultimate uh, de- definition of success is. That's right. Persistence. You have to keep working at it. Okay. So what are the advice? What's the take home message here? Okay. Well, if you have children, certainly you want to help them to succeed. Of course. Okay. But don't engineer or guarantee their success because if, and you can do that as an adult, you know, the game, you know how to do it. You can help them and you can give them advice and you can make, ex- I mean, we know what we all are guilty of it. Most parents are. Um, certainly you want to help your children to succeed, but don't engineer or guarantee their success. If you do that, you deny your children the opportunity to, to learn how to deal with disappointment. Because right. as we've stressed throughout, everybody's going to experience disappointment. It's our obligation as a parent to prepare our children, to teach them how to succeed, but to teach them how to fail. Absolutely. Gracious winner, gracious loser. Absolutely. And the earlier, the better. You know, right. the stakes are far less severe in elementary school and, and much more critical in college. That's right. If, it, if you can teach them this 
early on so that right. they know from the beginning, you know, this is what life is like. You, sometimes <laughs> you win and sometimes more often you, you, you don't quite meet that mark right. that we're shooting for, but <laughs> just keep going. You keep trying. Right. If you, if I have children, I want them to get an F in second grade. Right. Because guess what? No one's ever going to know. Right. But if you get an F in college, it stays on your transcript forever. Right. Okay. So if you're gonna if you're gonna fail, the younger the better. Right. Okay. But learn this lesson early and learn this lesson when um, it the consequences are not so great. Right. If my children fail at anything, whether it's relationships or school. I want them to fail while I'm around, while they're still living with me. I don't want their first failure to be when they're in a college a thousand miles away. Right. Okay. It's good for parents to prepare ahead of time, have a script, right. you know, and spend as much time preparing for this as you would if they were succeeding. You know, right. you know how are you going to talk to them about falling short and not quite making the, the benchmark that they were shooting for? You know, how do you build that encouragement for them so that they can pick up and continue and, and try again? That's right. I think the best advice that we could give is you have to have a plan for this. You're already making a plan. <laughs> I heard about a um, school somewhere, uh, parents enroll their children at conception yeah. You know, they're pregnant, so they, okay, let's get her name on the list. Um, we, we pre and what that means is these parents are really preparing their child for, they're going to go to this preschool and this elementary school and this middle school and this, because I want them to go to Harvard. So I'm going to have this elaborate plan and I'm going to hire a college coach, you know, to help them with their applications. I want you to spend as much time planning for and what you're going to say and how you're going to help your children manage the inevitable failures that they're going to experience. So right. have a plan, have a script. Right. And, and be consistent. You know, just don't give the message that, you know, you have to succeed, you have to succeed, you have to succeed. And then when they fail, you just say, uh, you know, okay, it's all right, but let's go, you know, you have to be, you have to be consistent and, and right. say, you know, Again, uh, losing is just as important as winning and uh, from the perspective of growth, growth. Right. And don't let your child blame anybody else. Right. Okay. It might be the teachers. I hate when parents, but well, we'll have to talk to your teacher about this. No, please don't do that. Okay. Not in elementary school, not in middle school, not even in high school. Okay. Um, let your child deal with these disappointments. Okay. Um, you and I remember it was years ago and uh, this little girl, I think she was in middle school or high school, ran up to her father and said uh, that she, she didn't make the, she didn't make the first team. I think it was a soccer team or something. And she was, she was disappointed because she didn't make the first team and she went running to her dad and she wanted her dad to intervene. Uh, dad didn't make it good. And he looked at her and said, try harder. Right. That was the end of the discussion. Right. Okay. What a valuable thing to, I mean, to me, that was a valuable thing to work hard. No, he said work harder. Okay. That's how you succeed. I'm not going to intervene so that you can succeed. You have to do that on your own. Right. Okay. Or, or teachers blaming parents. Mm -hmm. uh, parents blaming teachers. Mm -hmm. If the kid doesn't do well, I'll talk to your teacher about this. Please don't do that. Okay. Let your child deal with his or her teacher. 
unless it's abusive, okay? But generally, most teachers are not abusive, okay? That's not what you're dealing with. Um, You have to, because even if 99% of the fault is the teachers, you go and have a discussion about that 1% with your child. Mm -hmm. That's what your child needs. Take responsibility for the 1%. Can't do anything about it. Don't, Don't focus on the nine, don't focus on the teacher's contribution to this. Uh, the teacher didn't put the grade in. The teacher didn't do this. The teacher didn't do that. That has no meaning. You take the, pers- the just the portion that is your child's responsibility and discuss that. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, you know, th- th- I guess the bottom line is, you know, whoever you are, if you're a college student, if you're an adult, if you are a kid, if you're a parent, whoever you are, push yourself, push yourself to do more, to to go outside of that comfort zone to, get, to push yourself outside of where your um, base skills are mm-hmm. to learn more, to try more. Right. It's not going to succeed all the time. It's going to fail. Um, right. and, and when that happens, learn how to cope with it. Teach your kids how to cope with it, right. how to learn from it, how to build and, and strengthen themselves from it. Um, right. You know, we built, uh, you know, our hardest metals, our hardest, um, yeah. hardest substances that we have are made from creating faults. You know, whenever you look at a blacksmith, you know, they, they beat that metal up mm-hmm. to make it stronger and right. then they burn it to make it weak. And then they hit it again and make it stronger. Um, that's and, right. and that's what failure can do. Failure makes you stronger and more capable and longer lasting. And um, we should start that at the beginning. Yeah. Well, how are diamonds created? Lots of pressure, lots of heat, you know, steel, lots of, you know, the more times you read when they build these one, these world-class swords, you keep firing it and pounding it and fire, you know, um, and that's, that's what we have to do with ourselves. We, we have to be in that position of, of, um, of learning how to manage the failures that are good, that are going to come our way. Um, you learn how to manage your failures. That's what you have to do. And we want to be success pursuing rather than failure avoiding. Right. And if, and if all, but if all you're doing is success, you're not, don't just avoid failure. Failure, failure has important lessons to teach you. And, and so push yourself as hard as you can and experience those disappointments and figure out how to overcome them. That's the, that's life. That's that, those are the skills that you need. Absolutely. So, all right. That is it for today. What are we halfway through November? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Thanksgiving. Yep. Here it comes. Coming right up, right? Yep. A week and a half. Holidays. You would never know it's the holiday season. All you have to do is step out of your house for a minute and it's already Christmas. My neighbors already have their Christmas tree up. All over the place. There are lights appearing in houses. Um, you know, yard light, whatever they call those things, yard lights. Um, yeah, they're already all over the place. So yeah. get ready. I think because people are tired of COVID, they're tired of not having celebrated the holidays. Some people have missed two, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, just one Christmas, 2020. Yeah. But everybody's trying to, I guess everybody's uh, bursting at the seams to begin to celebrate. So they are. Okay. All right. Good it's seeing a- you again. Good to see you. Good okay. To see you. Until next time, man. Have a good day. You too. Stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.